Ever pinch pennies all year for that one family vacation only to feel the budget blues afterward? If so, I was just like you. After three long vacationless years, I stumbled upon travel hacking and cracked the code to amazing vacations that I could actually afford. Welcome to Hacking Your Wanderlust. In this podcast, you will discover how opening credit cards strategically can save you thousands on travel. We're not just dreamers anymore. We're two adventurous moms turning dreams into reality. Join us as we spill all the travel hacking secrets. And contrary to popular belief, traveling on points and miles isn't reserved for the elite or those with overflowing bank accounts. It's for everyday people like you and me learning to turn routine expenses into free travel. Consider us your travel hacking guides. This is Hacking Your Wanderlust. Let the adventure begin. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Mary Ellen. And I am Joe. Thank you guys for being here with us this week. I just wanted to give everybody a little update on my excursions from a couple weeks ago. You may remember me discussing, uh, both of us discussing really, how we were staying out far past our bedtimes to do uh, fun things with our week. And I just First of all, wanted to thank the people who commiserated with me in terms of uh, my reality television addiction. That was um, very kind. It, it turns out I am not alone. But also, I went to see this man, this DJ, at this literal nightclub. I mean, like, they hired girls to, like, dance on podiums. I <laughs> I was like, where am I? This is so not like catch catch me in a national park by myself over this any day. But I was there. I went. I showed up at 10 like the ticket told me to. And then we just waited and waited and waited while these intro opener DJs played a whole bunch of them. By the time the fourth new DJ came on, I was like, okay, what is what is happening? And so, of course, you know, I'm like in line at the bathroom, which takes 45 minutes, and I start chatting with the 20-year-olds that are in line with me. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, does anybody know when we can expect like what we're all here for? And I was informed this was this was a little bit after midnight at this point. I was informed that he often does not go on until 1.45 or 2 a.m. I cannot. I cannot. No. no. <laughs> I cannot even imagine doing this. I also cannot. And so we noped out of there so fast. I was like, you guys, I'm not doing it. I mean, I, I think we, we stood around for 10 more minutes. I said, okay, if gonna give it a few more minutes because I paid for these tickets and I really wanted to see this. But no, he did not show up. I saw his Instagram stories um, posted uh, videos about 3 a.m. Oh, it's my word. So I got that to is... be so unbelievably tired the next day for literally nothing. Oh, <laughs> I am so sorry. It's okay. I have a redo. I have a redo on Sunday okay. night. I am going out with a group of women. We all watch The Real Housewives together. It's how we all bonded and met. Um, we were all doing a, the same workout class together and all just happened to talk about how we loved this franchise. And it was very bonding for us. 
one of the characters from Real Housewives of New York City is doing a comedy show in St. Louis on Sunday. And that starts at 7. And the great thing about comedy shows is they actually start on time. It's not like seeing a DJ at a club. So we're meeting for a lovely dinner beforehand at a reasonable time. And I'm confident that I'm going to get my reality TV character fix that is time. so fun. I love that. I love that y'all watch the show together and bond over that. So it's cute. such a funny thing to bond over. But, you know, if you know, you know. So you know. Uh, tell me about your week. What's been happening? Well, right now I'm gearing up. Tomorrow we have a big trip planned. We are heading up to New York City for Christmas. <gasps> I love New York at Christmas. New York at Christmas. I'm a sucker for it. I love the decorations on Fifth Avenue. I love the light show that plays on sax. I love ice skating in Central Park. I love it all. So we are going tomorrow and listen to what we're going to do. And this better not turn into your nightmare. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It better not turn into your nightmare. I got tickets for my daughter and I, just the two of us, a little mommy daughter excursion while we're there to go see. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I don't can't think wait. you're ready. Oh, okay. Mariah Carey. Mariah in Madison Square Garden for her Christmas show. Stop right now. I know. That I is going to be so amazing. That's I iconic. Know, it is. And when I we did not plan to go to New York to see her, but when I was planning our trip and I happened across that she was going to be there doing a Christmas show, I thought, well, I am not. It would be just a crime to go to New York for Christmas and not go see Mariah Carey while you're there. So we shall go. One thousand percent. And that is one of the things we love about travel hacking is you can get yourself to concerts in different places because you are staying on those points and miles and then you can afford tickets. Yes. And I'll I'll splurge for things on trip. Right. This these tickets did cost money. I did not get them by travel hacking points and miles. But our hotel is travel hacked. You know, other things are travel hacked. So then exactly we can splurge. Yep, that's why we're going to see Hamilton in Chicago, because we're not paying for the hotel. So, love, love, love. I am excited. But for this week, I am so pumped to talk to our listeners about something that I am very passionate about within the travel world. And I see uh, everyone cannot see (laughs) Joanna right now, but she is wearing her t-shirt that gives it away. We are talking about national parks, travel hacking, America's beautiful national park. Yes, I am so excited for this topic because... Actually, when we were preparing and I was kind of going through lists of national parks, I realized I've been to even more of them than I realized. I definitely started travel hacking, thinking very specifically about flights and hotels. But I love the great outdoors. I love to hike. You cannot see my shirt, but it's got a mountain range on it. And it says in the corner, I hate people, which is categorically (laughs) false about me. I actually love people, but I, I love solitude in nature. And I think that being able to travel hack the national parks is underrated because I think a lot of people think of this in terms of these big grand destinations and then they forget that we have these grand natural destinations that we can explore for literally next to nothing. And then if you can hack those flights or the hotels, I mean, truly 
you don't even have to leave the country to see some of the most extraordinary things. It's true. I mean, international travel is great, but I think during COVID, people really started to recognize the incredible destinations we have domestically in the U.S. And I know national park travel has really, I mean, it was always amazing, but it has really kind of taken off for people, I think, since COVID, since we were kind of, you know, all trapped in a more local setting and where Mm -hmm. we could drive to and things like that. So let's get started. Let's talk about how to make national park trips as affordable for your family as possible. So the first thing we need to talk about with travel hacking national parks is something called the America the Beautiful Pass. So while once you get to the national parks, there's no shortage of fantastic hikes, there's waterfalls, there's amazing things to do within each park, but you have to get in the front gate. And usually not all national parks, but a lot of them do have an entrance fee. So it ranges per park, but what you can do to save on it, especially if you are planning to go to multiple national parks within one year, is get an America the Beautiful Pass. The pass is about $80, and you can use it an unlimited amount of times during the year. And so, for example, like when you go to Zion National Park and Bryce Canyon National Park, some of those Utah parks, a lot of times when people go to those, they hop from park to park. And a lot of entrance fees are about $35 per vehicle. And it is different with um, motorcycles or individuals walking in, but we'll just do the per vehicle fee, which is about $35. So if you think about it, that adds up very quickly. But the America the Beautiful Pass can really save you money. And now here is even better news. Seniors, can get an $80 lifetime pass. I know we have some seniors who listen to the podcast. Uh, You can also get a $20 yearly pass if you'd rather go that route, or you can pay $80 for a lifetime pass. Military families, military veterans, or gold star families, you can get a free lifetime pass. Current military families can get a free yearly pass. And then anybody with medical disability can get a lifetime pass for free. These are free forever lifetime America the Beautiful passes. And then the other thing, if you are not a senior, military, or have a disability, but maybe you have young kids, this is really fun. There's a website, everykidoutdoors.com. It's a website where you can go if you have a fourth grader and get a free National Parks Pass for the year for your family when your child is in fourth grade. Isn't that fun? That is fun. But what is it specifically about fourth grade? Why did they pick that? I don't know. It's a collection of agencies kind of came together, an interagency thing, and they just decided fourth graders, you get a free National Parks Pass. And any fourth grade teachers who might be listening, you can actually go on and print passes for all of your students and hand them out in class. And the passes are good from September 1st until August 31st of the next year because it kind of follows the school year calendar. Isn't that cool? That is is so cool, but I'm like a little mad. I have a sixth grader. I'm like, maybe we should hold you. <laughs> you've missed you back. out on that. Yeah, <laughs> you've missed out on that. But we're Darn kind it. of in between. We did it when my son was in fourth grade. We did it, and then right now I have a third grader. So we're coming up. We're coming up on our year again that we can get a free America the Beautiful pass. So cool. 
I absolutely love that. I know my parents have taken advantage of these passes before, um, and it's just such an amazing offering, especially that senior benefit. That's so cool. Okay, I am going to ask you, is the $80 fee, um, just the, the traditional fee for people that don't meet any of those special requirements, is that per person or is that per vehicle the way an entrance fee would be if you were just going once? So it's going to cover your vehicle entrance fee. The only thing that it doesn't cover is if you are reserving like a camping site or fees for specific tours that you go on while you're in the park. Those aren't covered, but it's your entrance fee for your whole vehicle. Okay, that's awesome and very good to know. So I think that you are going to start us off telling us about your favorite national park that you have experienced. Is this correct? Ah, favorite is such a strong word with national I parks. I know. It, I think it's impossible to have a favorite. I don't know. But let's start talking about one that we have both been to because we have both been to Acadia National Park. We sure have. And it was a life-changing experience for me. And I know that we went at different times. So I think we have very different experiences of the park, which I really like. It's true. So I went in June and it's tricky with national park travel in the summer because it definitely ramps up in July, August, the parks get kind of crowded. But in June, when we went to Acadia, it really was not too overcrowded. And it was nice because this was probably my, I don't know, favorite again, the word favorite is too strong. But they have in June all these lupines, these purple flowers bloom, and it is stunning. When I was there, I first saw like one or two little patches on the side of the road, and my husband just saw my face like lighting up that I have got to find a field of these lupines. And we did. It is um, very tricky in Acadia. Tell me, did you do this? Because I don't know if everyone has done this. There is an island right off the shore in Bar Harbor, Maine, which is where Acadia is. There's this little island that you can only get to by walking once a day, twice a day, maybe with the tides. Because when the tide is in, it's an island. You can't get there. There's water in the way. And then at low tide, a little like sandbar opens up and you can walk across to this little island where there's some hiking trails. And there was this huge field of these purple lupine flowers. And it would it like made my life. It sounds like it would also make my life. I did not get to see any of those because of the time of year that we were there. So let's talk about travel hacking Acadia specifically, and then I'll tell you guys my favorite hike too. So that moment of finding the field of lupines was a special moment, but first let's get to Acadia. Yes. So you can hack your flights there. Flying to Acadia is a little tricky because it's this little town kind of up north in Maine. So it's not right at a large city. Portland is where a lot of people fly into, and that's probably your most affordable flight. And then you have to rent a car and drive a few hours. What did you do when you went? Did you fly into Portland? So this was a trip that I took with my brother. I love to travel with my brother. He's kind of my uh, travel buddy when my husband or my daughter can't go. So um, he was travel nursing over in Boston. And so we were trying to figure out a way that we could do a trip kind of on that coast and see some beautiful things while he was there for that contract. So he had a car already out there. 
Um, so it made it really nice and easy for me to just fly into Boston and then we road trip up to um, Maine. That is a gorgeous drive. That is really a pretty drive. Honestly, I, I was looking it up and it's like a five hour drive and I it felt like it went by so fast because it is just stunning. It is stunning. Yeah. The views and the landscape. I just, I mean, the drive itself was part of the experience for me. Right. Boston is an option if you're willing to drive a little further, I'd say. And then Portland's a little closer. And then you can even fly in even closer, but it gets more expensive. So if you're travel hacking, I would say Portland's probably going to be your best bet. And there's a ton of very points-friendly hotels in Portland that you could use. In Bar Harbor, where Acadia is, it gets a little tougher on points. Acadia is not the most point-hacking-friendly destination, but it can be done. You probably want to look into Hilton Points to stay at the Hampton Inn Bar Harbor or Holiday Inn Resort Bar Harbor, which is IHG Hotel. And of course, you may remember you can transfer Chase Points to IHG. For the Hampton Inn, you're going to probably need to go more the route of Amex Points. Amex is a travel partner with Hilton. So those are kind of your points-friendly hotel options. When we went, we actually didn't do that at all. We stayed at a little Best Western because it was affordable. It was um, it had free breakfast. It was nice. I would stay there again. There's a Best Western just right outside of Bar Harbor. And we liked it. Now, if we were doing points, the other options would have been better. Now, when you went, you said you did Airbnb. I did. And you're going to hear me talk about Airbnb. I feel like all the time. I am a huge Airbnb fan because if you are flexible, you can find some super affordable stays. I mean, in Bar Harbor, in the off-season, and that is key, I, I will talk so much about off-season travel because for me, if you are experiencing a place when there's not a lot of other people around and the prices are less than half of what they are in peak season, there's something really magical about it. Now, I might not get to see the flowers and the trees were not all green, but there was something completely different about my experience that was so peaceful and so serene. And it was freezing cold, but I had some really great outerwear and that's all <laughs> you need. Um, that's right. But there are Airbnbs for like five to seven nights that are easily under $400 for the entire time. And especially if you're going with a travel buddy and you're yeah. splitting it, it's it's nothing. And the Airbnb that we stayed at was absolutely perfect. It was a walk down to the coast. So you could oh. literally walk to this little pebble beach one of the days that we were there, there was an Arctic seal baby on no. yes, on the beach. There was actually some wildlife preservation specialists out there, like keeping people at a distance from it. So that you that know, is awesome. It was amazing. It is uh, very rare to see these Arctic seals. This is not their typical journey across the ocean, and it's also very unusual for them to be all alone like this. And it was, it was a little, um, 
a little baby. Aww. So we hope that that guy made it to where he yeah. is going safe and sound. But I was like, what a cool thing to see. And yeah. it was just right down the street from the Airbnb. And I love when you can just kind of go to a grocery store, grab a few staples for the week. You know, my brother gets um those HelloFresh boxes and he oh, brought yeah. his with because he had already gotten his delivery for the week. So he just brought the box, and that was what we ate for dinner every single night. That is and excellent. I, it was so affordable and so magical. Yeah. And that's really how I, I like to that. do things. Yeah. <laughs> affordable and magical. Check, check. Yep. That's all I need in life. Okay, so I would love to hear about this favorite hike you were talking about, and then I will, I will tell you about my hiking experiences there. When I was researching Acadia, I came across something. One of the kind of famous hikes is called Big Beehive. But there is some debate online about whether it's appropriate for kids. So when I was planning, I was like, "Ah, I have pretty adventurous kids. So I decided I was going to go for it. But we did split up. So we had our baby with us at the time. We had our two big kids. And then we had a one-year-old baby. Or she may not even have been one yet. So she was an infant carrier. So Mm -hmm. my husband split off with my daughter. And me and my son did the big beehive. And he loved it. He was nine years old at the time. So if anybody is planning this trip or thinking about it, I feel like it was fine for him. I mean, you are definitely like if you're very afraid of heights, it might make you nervous. My I'm not. My son is not. You are kind of near a ledge-ish, cliff-ish <laughs> region, but it is so gorgeous. It's so much bang for your buck because you're like scaling the side of this mountain, but it's not that hard. It's really not. It's very short. And there's some metal rungs that you can kind of climb like a ladder in some places. My son told me this was a direct quote. And I think this is another reason why it's one of my favorite hikes because it was such a sweet memory. I was asking him about it after he did it. And he just exclaimed, I was born for this. So he, it was so cute. Like he was pumped. love that so much. That core memory right there. Yes, I think he felt so special because I had been talking about like, I don't know, you know, this is kind of a tough one. And he just felt like he totally like dominated it. So he actually did it again. So when we came down, the rest of the family, this is good to note, you can go up Big Beehive, but you can also walk around the back side of it and end up both end up at the top. So my husband took my daughter and the baby and they went around the back side, which is just kind of a I'm not, not necessarily easier path, but a safer path, I guess. You're not on a ledge. My husband was kind of bummed that he missed out because, of course, me and my son were just raving about Big Beehive. So when we came down, my son actually did it a second time with my husband because he wanted to get to do it, too. Oh, you guys did a swap. I love that. Yes. Kid swap. <laughs> yes. Um, we did not do the beehive, although we were um, we were told about that one. We ended up doing one of the bubbles. There's two bubbles, North Bubble and South Bubble, and they're the tallest peaks in the park. And we did South Bubble, which is a little bit shorter than North Bubble. What is interesting about the park at this time of year is that there are very few places that you can drive in. The roads actually close. Mm. So oh, wow. we did not know that um, before we got there. So we did actually have a plan to drive into one of the trailheads and hike. Um, 
But we found out the roads were closed, so we ended up pivoting, and we found a visitor center on the far side of Jordan Pond. They have these extraordinary, they look like lakes, they call them ponds, and they're these extraordinary, pristine, natural water sources that feed the entire town of Seal Harbor. They all get their water from these ponds, and so you are not allowed to touch it, your animals can't jump in it, you can't go swimming, you can't drop trash in it, and they are so pristine. I've I've never actually seen anything like this clean, this trash-free, you know, and just crystal yeah. clear water and of it, course, we loved jordan pond we walked we did the hike around jordan pond too it was phenomenal like it was such a fun walk with kids especially because i don't know if they if it's like this in the winter there were like these planks that you walk yes. on for about half of it and then you climb over some rocks i mean we had the infant so it is very doable even with an infant but our kids just loved it. We really enjoyed Jordan Pond. That's my favorite part is those boardwalks. They are so unusual. They are a little narrow at points. And if you're going in the winter, there is some freezing that happens. You've got to be careful. There were parts of this where there was literally frozen water across different parts of the path that was not the boardwalk. So we are like forging across frozen streams. There's these ice fixtures everywhere. Everything was just glittering and glowing in the sunshine. It sounds like a like magical winter wonderland. Like a little bit Narnia. That's what I was gonna say. And this is why we're friends. I Uh, know. Yes. I felt like I had just walked through the wardrobe, like pushed those Mm. coats aside. And there I was in the, you know, the beautiful wood with the lamp post. That was the only part that was missing. It was amazing. But to get to South Bubble, which was on the far side of Jordan Pond, we had to park and do that boardwalk all the way around to the complete opposite side. And then we hiked up the bubble, which sounds very similar to your experience with the hike. There are parts of it that are straight up. You're just scaling rocks. Now, you don't feel like you're going to fall backwards down a mountain because, you know, there's ledges and it's done very well. Um, Right. I also think that my daughter probably could have handled it, but she wasn't there. So I couldn't tell you. She's Mm. not a big outdoorsy girl. We will get there. That's okay. She'll get there. I wasn't either. So when I was a kid, I was like, do not put me in the outdoors. No outdoors for me. And now I can't get enough. So we, there's My still husband's hope. same way. Same way. He was not a hiker when we first met. When We met when we were kids. And when we met and growing up, he was definitely not a hiker. And we have converted him to a mountain person. So there is hope. The mountains are kind of my thing. So I'm definitely in the process of converting everybody in my life to that. Um, Dane does not like the cold. So you would not catch him in Acadia in the middle of the winter. So thank goodness for my brother. Um, He is a warm person, but he will do a warm hike with me. So that is good. But this hike to the top of South Bubble was very cool because you could go straight up one side and then you could take the easier route down the backside of the bubble. So I think it sounds like they kind of um, make two options maybe for all the hikes in the park. I don't know because I have not done them. But then there is the walk back. And at this point, we didn't really calculate how long everything was going to take. So we were kind of scrambling back 
on those planks to try to get back to our car on the far side. And it was getting dark. And I was like, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be out here when it's dark. I feel like the wildlife is a, a, That's a little, well. little too much adventure, a little too much adventure, <laughs> too, too much. But, you know, my, this is like so, so funny. My favorite part of this entire thing was getting to see beavers in real life <gasps> and seeing what? all their cute little chewed trees where you yes. can see where they just cut them right in half. As silly as it sounds, I had never seen that in real life. And you could just see them like making their little dams and they were so that busy. so neat. We did I not see beavers. Loved it. It was extraordinary. <laughs> we did see bald eagles, though. So one of the <gasps> things that we splurged on was we went on a little boat cruise and it was, I don't know, maybe a two hour boat cruise, something like that. And they took us around. We did see some seals, although it might be different ones than you saw because this was summertime and they were out on these little islands. And then we saw multiple bald eagles. Our tour guide on the cruise pointed out the nest up in the tree. And that was really neat. That is so cool. I would have absolutely loved that. I've only seen one bald eagle in my lifetime. It was here in Missouri, and it was just for a wow. quick second. So um, That is neat. That is something to note about the off-season. You can't do really any of those tours. None of that stuff is available. It is really a lot of the outdoorsy stuff that you're doing all by yourself because we did – see if there were any tours we could hop on. And also, I spent quite a lot of time looking for a lobster roll. And those also are not available in the off season, which makes sense because obviously they're not catching lobsters in January. But it was a little well, disappointing. Well, you're going to go back. Oh, I sure you're gonna go I, back. I have to go for the spring. I have to see the flowers and get my lobster roll. Yes, you do. Okay, so that is a little bit about Acadia National Park. And just so you know, Acadia does have a $35 per vehicle entrance fee. But don't forget, you're going to have an America the Beautiful Pass that will cover that fee for you. Yes, and also don't forget, you can park outside and just walk through. And in the off season, you don't even have to pay for a walk-in. I believe it's $15 for a walk-in or a bike-in in the on-season. But there isn't even anybody working any of the roads or, or booths during the time that we were there. So that wasn't even an issue. I did also want to mention that that one of the days, because we went in and hiked every day, one of the days, rather than going on a woodsy hike, we just walked the roads. Yes. There were no cars. There were no people. These roads kind of wind through and have beautiful views. And that all by itself was like, oh, this is so magical. Well, in the summer, so they have a trail and it's called Ocean Path to Thunder Hole. So you start on Sand Beach and you walk and it's on the sidewalk beside the road down to Thunder Hole, which is this big, like magnificent spot where the waves come in and crash. But I cannot imagine in the winter, because that, as you can imagine, in the summertime and spring, that's really crowded. That Ocean Path, it's very flat. It's easy to walk and it's kind of like the the big Acadia moment right on the coast. So it is kind of overloaded with people. It's a little too people-y. Uh, well, I certainly did not have a people-y experience. I think that we saw other people maybe twice in the multiple days that we were there. And I think the people we saw were probably just locals. They were walking their dogs and stuff. So the next park we'll talk about is one that my family has been to. And I truly felt like 
I was on another planet. It was, it felt like Star Wars or something. Like I really did not feel like I was in America. And maybe it's because I'm East Coast based. So it is unlike anything else in the East Coast. But um, we went to the parks out in Utah and we Uh, went to Zion National Park. And that mm -hmm. one is gorgeous. And I'll talk about Zion. But the one that to me felt like another planet was Bryce Canyon. So Bryce Canyon is a short drive from Zion. They're definitely two parks that people kind of go to in the same trip, the same journey. But there's all these like, I think they call them hoodoos. They're like these stacks, little towers of rocks that are just everywhere. And I'm telling you, it's unlike anything you've ever seen. (laughs) My nerd side has now been activated twice through this episode because we first we were talking Narnia now we're talking Star Wars and I love both of these things so I'm uh, pretty excited to hear about this most of these national parks out west they don't exactly have a lot of points and miles options nearby so let me tell you with Bryce Canyon we'll start there and then I'll backtrack to Zion so with Bryce Canyon we stayed at a little place called Bryce Canyon Villas and it was basically like a little tiny house that they uh, somebody had a bunch of tiny houses house, I guess they're calling them villas. And it had a gas grill. It was kind of like its own little hotel room. It was super cute. And it was it was very affordable. And that's where we stayed at. Now, right outside of Bryce Canyon, there are some Best Western hotels that are really nice. Best Western isn't a part of the major points chains, but they can be pretty affordable. So that's an option to look into if you definitely want a hotel. Otherwise, check out a lesser known little place called Bryce Canyon Villas because we stayed there and we really liked it. It was clean. It was a really good fit for our family. So I want to mention just quickly while we talk about Bryce Canyon, our favorite trail while we're there. And it was the Fairyland Loop Trail. Isn't that name magical? It is. I was literally just going to say that. What a pretty name. Fairyland Loop. Okay. It is deceiving because it is an eight-mile trail. Mind you, when I went, I had a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and I was pregnant. Oh, and we went on. my goodness. Let me tell you, who do you think planned this hike? Who do you think planned this hike? I'm going to say you. I'm going to say you planned no! this hike. No! What? I'm You're a pregnant woman. I mean, I, I did not plan an eight mile hike while pregnant. This was my husband. So you've converted your husband so much to the point where he's the one planning the hikes now, because I find that very impressive. I think I went too far with it is <laughs> what I've learned. <laughs> I thought you were like, hmm, you know, it's probably not going to be that bad. And then you got there and we're like, OK, eight miles while pregnant. It is honestly, though, one of my my talk about core memories. This hike, obviously, it was very ingrained in my mind, all eight miles of it. But I I was so impressed with our kids because I think sometimes we underestimate on vacations what our kids are capable of. And they did it. I mean, they killed this eight mile hike. And our strategy, we would stop like, you know, every half mile and give them like four M&Ms, you know, water break and like four M&Ms. 
And we just kept feeding them little M&Ms along the way. That is honestly genius. We do parenting hacks here too, guys, right? I know, right? Parent (laughs) hacks. Feed your kid M&Ms while you take them on a death march through Bryce Canyon. I I would caution anyone to do it in the heat of summer, like the really hottest times of the year. We went to this trip in late May, and that was a great time because it was before the crowds picked up for summertime, and it Mm. was not cold. But it also wasn't, you know, out there in the desert, like heat of um, summertime. Mm -hmm. So it was a good time of year to do it and to just kill that eight mile hike that I will literally never forget because it was such an epic moment. But because it was one of the harder hikes, there also were less people. I mean, there we did pass people, but not very many. And almost every single one of them, of course, though, gave us the most judging look. People would say things like, you know, oh, y'all aren't going to make it talking about hiking with kids and I took offense to that and our kids made it every step of that way and I did not carry them any of those steps that is amazing if somebody tells me that I'm not gonna make it doing something then it's like well now we are yeah you better believe we're gonna make it (laughs) I do not think that my daughter would have made that one I have to say so your kids are very impressive the amount of tears and crying and pick me up I mean she doesn't obviously I can't pick her up now because she's the same height as me but that was her back in the day. We do have those moments. We have those moments. But that's my recommendation if you're up for a challenge in Bryce Canyon because the other hikes are going to be, they're all beautiful and do them for sure. They're more accessible. But, you know, any of these parks can get very crowded. So that's kind of my tip for if you want to avoid the crowds, but you're up for a challenge. I love that. And how much is that park for the entry fee if you don't have the America Pass? That one's going to be $35 also for the vehicle fee. So definitely, though, if you're going to those Utah National Parks, you've got to snag an America the Beautiful Pass because ultimately it will save you money. And some of the parks you'll have to see when you get there, but they do have like week-long passes, things like that. So there are options for you. I absolutely love that. That is going right on my list. My list is getting really long. At this point, I need to become a full-time traveler to achieve all of the places that I want to go. All right. I want to talk about our last national park of the day, which is Indiana Dunes National Park. And I went there with my family last year. And I have to say, I maybe was a little judgy when everybody decided that we were going to Indiana for a family vacation. Indiana? Like, come on, guys. I feel like there's better places that we can go. But when I saw the dunes for the first time, it was like a very jaw-dropping moment for me because I wasn't expecting them to look like almost like mountain ranges made out of sand. Really? Yes. It is so amazing. They are huge and they are hikeable. And a lot of them have these intricate staircases built into the side of them where you're doing, I mean, if you really want to get some steps in on your uh, Fitbit, (laughs) do those stairs. Oh my goodness. But the views are just incredible and you feel like you are at an actual beach. It feels like you've gone to Florida. For me, this is like four and a half hours drive or something like that, which is so wild that I, you know, in Missouri can just pop over to Indiana and feel like I've gone to Florida. It is obviously Lake Michigan, but if you don't taste the water, you don't know the difference. (laughs) Don't taste the water. Isn't it right by Chicago? 
you can, on a clear day, you can look across and you can see the outline of Chicago on the other side. It's bizarre. I bet that's pretty, though. Kind of cool to see. Like, you're in all this sand, but then with a big city not far away. It's kind of a weird dichotomy or something. It totally is. And it kind of looks like it's just floating in the middle of an ocean. So it was such a cool place. And we stayed, again, I love my Airbnbs. We stayed in an Airbnb in Burns Harbor, Indiana. And these Airbnbs, you can find them for less than $300 for a week, which is wild. And I did forget to mention earlier that if you're getting into um, the Chase Inc. credit cards, which are my favorite and we'll have an episode about, you can buy gift cards at office supply stores and get five times the points on that. And they have Airbnb gift cards at Office Depot. So where else that I get Airbnb gift cards? Another tip. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Do you have the app Fetch? Tell me about it. Yeah. So it's an app. It's a free app that you can download. And when you go grocery shopping, you upload your grocery receipt and you get points on Fetch and you can cash it out for gift cards for travel. You can cash out for Southwest gift cards and Airbnb, Hostels.com gift cards. You stop it right now. How am I not? This is like right up my alley. Okay, got to download that. It's one of those kind of easy ones, especially for people who maybe are not ready to open a new credit card right now. This is something that everybody can be doing, whether or not you have a travel credit card. You all go grocery shopping, and then you just kind of upload your receipts and get points that you can cash out for... I love it for things like Airbnb, which you can't necessarily transfer your credit card points to anyway. Correct. Yes. There's no way to use points for an Airbnb. So I've always focused on the buying the gift card at the Office Depot and getting the five times points on my stay, which then I can cash in for a different stay when I'm ready to transfer those points out. But I absolutely love this. I will get you a link for um, the Fetch app and we'll put that in the show notes so everybody can get in on that because that is so cool. The little town where we stayed, Burns Harbor, is super cute. I think it was about a 25-minute drive to the dunes, so that wasn't bad at all. And at the National Park, um, you can get a $25 per vehicle pass that's good for seven days. So you can keep coming back every day that you're there and you really want to because there are so many trails to explore. Or even if you don't feel like going on a hike and you want to lay on a sandy beach all day and pretend you're in Florida, it's it's such an amazing trip. It was so relaxing and I absolutely loved it. I did look into it and there is a Hyatt place in Munster, Indiana, which is a little bit of a further drive from the dunes. It's about 35 minutes. But I have to tell you, even though the Hyatt places are not known for being like the fancier of the Hyatts, those are the ones with the free breakfast. And Mm -hmm. I think it is a major hack for national parks in general to get the hotels with the free breakfast, load up on free breakfast in the morning before you go out and spend the day in a national park, maybe bring a few snacks or some sandwiches with you. And then really all you're spending money on for eating is going to be whatever you choose to do for dinner and like maybe a few snacky foods. 100% 100% agree. 100%. I Give me a hotel with free breakfast any day over some kind of fancy highfalutin hotel 
I want the free breakfast. (laughs) I got kids. They want to eat immediately when they wake up. And you know what else I could do? Because my husband sleeps later than I, me or my kids. And so sometimes the kids will wake up in the hotel and just in our pajamas, we'll doop, doop, doop out the door and go down to breakfast and let him sleep for a little bit longer. I am not a picky person. Like I do not need fancy room service, five-star breakfast food. I'm like, put some fuel in me so we can go hiking and it costs me no dollars. That's what I like. Now, you know, there's there's always a time for the fancy breakfast, but that's just um, not how we're doing things when we're doing these budget adventures. Joanna, I have to tell you a secret. Oh, I love secrets. I don't disown me for this. I'm Uh glad you're talking to me about Indiana Dunes because our family wants to go to all the national parks, but this is my secret, and I hope you don't disown me as a friend. I hate sand. I hate sand. That includes beaches. (laughs) I go to beaches. Okay, I go to beaches. I do it for the family. I like to take pictures with a palm tree, but when it comes to the sand, So a a sand national park sounds like my actual nightmare. Gosh, I might have to disown you because I know we're both mountain people, but I also am a huge beach person. And I wouldn't even say beach person. I would say ocean person. But, you know, the Lake Michigan has the illusion. It's got the waves. Right. You know, right. it makes the sound. That's all I need. Um, and so, OK, well, that is really sad to me. But I don't know. You might get in that park and and feel differently because it's not like your typical beach. It's not it's just gonna like change me. flat and then you've got your buildings and your hotels and all of that. It is just this wonderland of rolling hills, all made of sand, which maybe sounds terrible to you. But I have to agree on the back end, the dumping sand out of your shoes and out of your suitcase for the next 10 days after you get home. I hate that too, but it is a sacrifice I am willing to make. Well, I'm going to do it because my husband's son, they want to go to all the national parks. So I am going to do it for them. But that is my hesitation. You're going to be okay. You're going to love it. You're going to come back and you're going to be like, okay, you know what? It does not. I I have been converted. Sand will not bother me anymore. I'm confident. You're you're motivating me. You're going to give me courage. I got you. So that's kind of all for today because that is a lot. National parks, we have realized there are so many national parks and they're all so incredible. So this is a route that we're going to go down quite a bit. We have some guest travel hackers, travel hacking enthusiasts that also really love national parks. And they are going to come on the show very soon. We have one lined up for January who is really awesome. I've been following her on social media for a while. And she's going to tell us some tips and tricks for travel hacking her favorite national parks. And I am pumped to learn from her since this is something that my family is doing frequently. Several times a year, we are trying to visit national parks. So I do want to leave people with my last tip for national park travel. And this is especially if you are an East Coast family. When you do go out West to all the national parks, because there's so many fantastic national parks out West, this is it. Are you listening? Oh, I'm ready. I'm leaning in. Stay on East Coast time. Stay on East Coast time. And this is why the parks get so crowded because national park travel is so popular now. If you can wake up two hours or three hours before their 
time zone, the people over there are used to waking up, you can get out to the parks so early in the morning that they are just quieter, more peaceful, pristine, and you kind of get that one with nature in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you woke up several hours later. So that is my tip of the week for national park travel. If you are on East Coast or even Central Time, stay on that earlier time zone. Don't revert to the West Coast. Try to keep waking up early so that you can really get to the parks before everybody else. What a genius tip. I don't think that would have ever even occurred to me. I have seen some people do some hikes so that they make it to the peaks at sunrise. And I think that looks like something that I would like to try to achieve at some point. It is a little difficult because like you, I have a partner who is a little bit of a sleeper in the mornings. I, on the other hand, am up while it's dark every single day. Same girl. Same. (laughs) Story of my life. So I'm going to wrap it up this week by asking you guys to tell us what national parks you would like us to talk about, because this is probably going to become a little bit of a series. We are going to have the guest on, as Mary Ellen mentioned, to talk about how to hack more of these. She kind of specializes in that. And so we're really excited about that. But we would love to hear from you guys. You can email us at hackingyourwanderlust at gmail.com. Let us know what you're interested in hearing. You can also find us on our Instagrams and you can drop us DMs or comments over there and let us know what else you'd be interested in hearing from us or really any of your questions. We would love to answer those. Mary Ellen, where can we find you on Instagram? You can find me at Family Travel for the Win with the number four. Family Travel for the Win. How about you, Joanna? You can find me at Hacking Our Wanderlust on Instagram. And don't forget, you guys, to like, subscribe, follow our Instagrams, leave us a five star review, and use somebody's link if you are applying for any of the cards that we have discussed. Okay, no Googling. You're going to find somebody's link, you're going to support somebody, you're going to give somebody that referral. If it's us, we would be so grateful. And thank you for joining us. We will see you next time.